Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders in the hospitality and restaurant industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out. The kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I have an amazing guest, CEO Carleen Jackson from Cloud9 Inside, a tech business that worked with SME companies to achieve growth through cloud technology. We talked about the current storm in the world and how to survive and thrive in it, how to develop your company's purpose, how to build culture, people practices, and how making food together in a workplace can boost engagement and productivity. Sit back, have your notebook ready. There's some great thinking on involving people, technology, and culture to accelerate business growth. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. Today, we have a leader on the podcast. Very people first believe that culture is the the secret ingredient to boost your business, both when it comes to happiness and also productivity, and thereby, in the end, some great business results. So welcome to the podcast, Carlin. Thank you. Great to be here. So we've been talking a couple of times because I know we have a a shared topic, which we're going to go into today. And especially in these shifting times we're now with a lot of uncertainty, we both have to believe that it, it starts and ends with how you take care of your your people. So if you just could get people a bit of an idea about, you know, where where are you coming from? What kind of business are you part of? And what is it that you do for, for your customers? And what kind of value are you adding to the world? Thank you. Yeah, we'd love to. So I founded Cloud9 Insight, a Microsoft cloud-based business about 10 years ago. And so we support small businesses in creating a sort of more sustainable future by moving them through a business change into the cloud using modern technology to enable them to support their employees in being the, as productive as they can, getting the best insights they can into their customers, who they are and servicing them right. Because in this world, being able to deliver the best experience to your customer really sets them apart from their competitors and really having insight into their business performance so they can continue to grow their business is quite important. Who is typical the the type of client you you work with and and you do these transformation processes with? We work with a a number of specialist sectors. One of them is is hospitality and leisure. So you might have uh, private members clubs or events venues like Ascot, for example, where they have people coming together every year potentially. And they need to really keep track of those customers. Often they might be corporate customers uh, to really sort of understand what their preferences are and make sure that they're delivering on the service and quoting them profitably for the services that are provided. And I, I guess this is also in, in a time where, you know, data has been, is and will be important and probably after, you know, uh, all the, the storm have laid down again, will be even more important to understand exactly what you do because, you know, you, you need to navigate after solid information and not just your, your gut feel in business. I, I guess that's going to be even more precedent as we come out on the other side. I'm just guessing. Absolutely. I think for a lot of organizations, they still probably don't have a single view of of who their customers are. And it's important, especially if you're losing people and and it's the people that have the relationships with those customers, that you do have 
some ability to have a consolidated view of who your customers are, what their value is to you. You certainly don't want to lose any customers and you need to be able to enable your team, no matter where they are in the organization, to have visibility of, of who your customers are. So I know that's one side of the business, but I also know you have a, another side of the business where you actually help people with skills. Isn't that correct? Definitely, yeah. So we're in the process of setting up an apprenticeship business, a government approved apprenticeship business, where we're looking to help, first of all, employers tap into new talent, I believe passionately in diversity in the workplace. But So having younger generations coming in is a great thing and giving them the skills that they need to hit the ground running. And often that can be the softer skills, but some are often other times more of the sort of practical skills and, and advice to make sure that they're adding as much value to the employer as possible. And if it comes into this, we come to skills again, it's going to be a massive thing as well as we need to probably in the new paradigm of a world, I call it, it's a big word, but I think there's going to be a new world. We're going to see things in a different light. I guess there's going to be skills and upskilling people is going to be essentially to bring back, you know, the, the, the entry of the the economy because it is the engine of the economy it's people's productivity and thereby connected to their ability to to do things in a clever and fast way absolutely i think even more so in the sector that i work in and within technology i think there's a lot of businesses out there that are becoming technology businesses, whether it's Airbnb, it's the whole platform on which they sit is enabled by technology and looking at organizations like Uber, for example. So it's really organizations that are leveraging technology and innovating about how technology can change their business models and can embrace new ways of working, new ways of tapping into customers and adding, creating value chains of connected organizations. They're the winners in this business change right now. If we look at the current situation, and we talked a bit about before you come on, this need for, you know, it's the time for people to come together and people to care. And coming back to why we actually originally organized this podcast was because you're very driven, you're very outspoken about a people first approach and how to build the business. Can can you talk a bit about how you've been on that journey and what's happened in the last 10 years and how you see yourself because you, you've been working on this. How ready do you feel for, for the coming time of uncertainty with the business and how does the culture and, and purpose support your business? Yeah, we'd love to. I've been on the journey for, for 10 years. When I actually started the business, I actually moved out to the Alps. So I was living the cloud dream up in the mountains in France. And my team all worked initially at that time remotely. After four years, I came back to the UK and I set up in Brighton and I started to realize really quickly through the growth of the business that it was essential to hire the right people and it was essential to also be really clear on what the company's values were so that we hired the right people that were a good match with those values because every time I reflected back when somebody didn't quite work out it always came back to they hadn't in some way been aligned to the company value. So now I really put that first and foremost when I'm recruiting people. And what I've found over time is it's actually really important if you want to keep people, people want to be a part of something greater than themselves. And that for me is about purpose. And, and I think that what I do every year when I have my offsite strategy meetings with my team is we revisit what our purpose is and how we all feel connected with that because it's at the end of the day it's really what gets us out of bed what brings us all together to serve our customers and if you get your purpose right as a business um, it should even be something that connects you to the partners that you work with your suppliers your customers because you all feel that that shared sense of purpose and I think at these sort of troubling times at the moment I think that having 
a clear purpose. And if you need to, to change that, that's fine too, is really what's going to take you through it. And for Cloud9, the purpose that we actually defined for our business is actually creating the future of work for our clients. And for me, there's two sides to that. One is the cultural side where it's about, for me, things are changing, organizations that are putting their people first and having a sense of culture in their business, being clear on their values and actually leaving those values on one side, embracing diversity and ways of working that are more about results rather than being present in a moment, but more about delivering value to your customers those organizations will be more successful and then on the other side for me the future of work also reflects organizations even non-technical organizations embracing technology that's out there that will help them create better business models and serve their customers better as well it's super interesting what you said being better equipped to the future by actually strengthening your business by working through your culture because a lot of times there's a lot of people that actually discard that or they don't know where to start so therefore they never get really started they, they think they've done something and have a culture but it's only focused on business result and then when i can use a, a very rough word has shit hit the fan as you could just in the moment it's very difficult to just invent this because you know it's a bit like a muscle you have to train and you have to accept it's not easy it's not easy to build culture but if you focused on it it will evolve in front of you and it's probably going to be bigger than you as a leader and i think that's what i've seen sometimes as well some leaders find it challenging that the culture is stronger than them and that's the whole idea yeah, definitely. Your your team, you need to be able to sort of live by those values in the same way a parent hopes that their kids live by their values. I think you need to sort of really ensure that the values that you have as a business are always front of mind. And certainly I'm tapping into those values right now in communications with my team. For example, we're all home working now for some of the team that's for the first time. And so one of our values is actually fun. And so I'm really trying hard to uh, find some fun ways because it can be potentially lonely for people remote working, especially for the first. So it doesn't suit everybody. Finding fun ways to sort of engage with the team and maybe the fun is no longer the massage on the Friday in the office, but it's something It's the pictures of their shared work environment or funny things that might be happening to them or maybe even a virtual lunch break over a, a video teams and sharing stories. So what else are you doing then? Because there's a lot of teams that's in that situation. What else are you doing? Because again, communication is key in, in this time. But what else small events are you trying to do internally to, to keep the culture alive? Because I guess that's the biggest thing. There's companies that's going to be in difficulties. There's companies going to crash. But it's actually what they the biggest asset they can lose, many of them, is their culture as they lose people and people are not connecting in the same way as they did before because it's all remote in a way. So a couple of other values that we have is one is positivity. And for me, when I think about positivity, it's about sort of almost like visualizing what you want the future to be and being really focused on the positives of that situation. And I think it's very easy to be distracted by news and noise and, and negativity. But I think this is a great moment to be, if it doesn't need to change, being focused on what is it that you're actually looking to do. And for me, I'm encouraging the team to, to sort of draw on the strengths of what they know and what they can do to pull through the transformation that's happening in the industry now for people realizing that they potentially need to work in a different way, working from home for many for the first time, working with your kids hanging out around you potentially. There's a lot of change happening at the moment for another one for us is just about having a growth mindset. And I think that really helps because there's a lot of disruption happening 
in our world. And I think if you have a growth mindset, it's a value that's held by Microsoft. And since they've, uh, with their new leader, Satya, he's brought about this value for the business. I've really seen as a partner, a big change in their organization because it, people are less focused on just following a process for process sake and more driven by actually making a difference and learning from opportunities and le- making things better. And I think if you're at a loss for what are your values? I think that would be an easy first one to adopt because if you have a resilient team that are happy in this sort of deep end, trying to cope with something new for the first time, trying to learn new things, then they're going to be much more resilient sort of working with you rather than against you in periods of change. All organizations going to be impacted, some more and some some less, depending on what you do. You will probably have some clients that will be heavily impacted by what's going on. What is your like plan? Like, What is your, your top plan when it comes to the, the, the people? What would be the three things you will have an extreme focus on as a business leader and of course we already talked before the podcast yes cash flow and stuff like that that's always important that doesn't change because of these times but what is like the three things you will do if you give like three top tips to strengthen your culture while you go through this because adversity i learn myself sometimes also actually is the opportunity to thrive in a way on a new level you've never done as an organization before well for me the number one thing is is communication from a sort of a job security perspective and i think at the end of the day, you need to be honest with your team about where you are and they'll, they need to trust you. So make sure you don't lose trust with your team and you're clear in the communication and potentially the communication might even need in times of significant uncertainty need to be daily. That communication, if you can have it in person, if not, make people feel connected and that there are open channels for them to be able to communicate with you and understand that for them, there will be a lot of personal challenges in their mind of do I have my job or don't I have my job? So that communication is is number one for me. The other second one is for me is about if there is a period of change is just reviewing what skills do we need for the future maybe there is new skills that you need do your leaders need help is there things that they haven't done before so what is it that we need to come through the other side of any change that we need because when I work with clients on business transformation projects for CRM for example sometimes they don't sort of see it as a business change and that's where they really fall down because if they see it simply as adopting a new technology and it's a technology project but don't look at the whole piece of of culture for example people's behavior how you're measuring people that drives behavior if you don't look at the big picture and even maybe your processes are they sort of fit for purpose is what you're doing even right adding value to a customer if you don't review all of that potentially that change that you might need to happen in the business won't actually happen for me the last one is innovation i i'm dyslexic so i've i would say that i'm probably highly creative compared to a lot of people it's good to innovate at this time and and use that creativity and I guess, you know, innovation is always a bit of a key word, but I guess a lot of companies going to be almost operating like startup businesses for a long period where they really have to learn new things, adapt that and implement that, learn from that, find out if it needs to be tweaked and change it again. And I guess that will create a whole different dynamic of innovation in, in many companies. And if you embrace that, that could be a gift, you know, for the future, for being an agile organization as you talked a bit about before so you can move fast when you need to absolutely i think being agile is definitely important and also just being open that if you only involve the same people all the time in terms of your strategy and what you do 
you'll probably get the same ideas. And so if you can draw on people, so for example, if you have an apprentice or somebody who's new into the business, invite them into your review of how things should be done. And I, I think that every organization, whether they're facing a crisis or not, should potentially put themselves in the worst case scenario that what if all the assumptions that we base our business on, the fact that, for example, if it was my business, is Microsoft still going to exist tomorrow? If you can put yourself in this period of crises, do some scenario planning around that, potentially you might come up with new business models, new opportunities that you can incubate and really tap into new markets because there's continuous changes is here. If we go a bit of back to, you know, creating this culture and, you know, we, you know, it is a time where not a lot of people talk about, you know, hiring people and getting that right. But I know from what I've heard you saying before, like the recruitment piece is essential to get your culture right because that's where it starts in a way and i guess when we come back to i don't know if the word normality or the new normal people will need to hire again or companies would need to hire again so how do you go about recruitment because it's often there's some secret source for every company to get that right and it's different for business to business that what i've learned how you recruit and what is important but how do you guys do it the first important thing is that you actually have your values on your job advert if you're putting out an advert because potentially that your values assuming they're actually accurate for your business they're things that you actually really are living by and if you're not sure what those values are get some of your team together and, and ask yourselves of the people that we have that are the best ambassadors for who we are what is it about them that makes them who they are and really try to sort of distill what those values might be in the people that you're looking for. And then making sure that you're clear and transparent in your advert, make sure that your advert is open. And if, you, if you're in a sort of a sector that potentially might hire more guys than women, just be aware that how you actually word your ad might even be already soliciting certain groups of people from potentially from a gender or age, etc. So just be conscious of that when you're putting out your advert. Then what we do is we have an initial chat with people and that's typically 10 or 15 minutes we're a very customer focused business so for us hiring people with good people skills is is the number one thing that we're looking for besides the sort of fit for with our values and so in that initial chat really what we're looking for is we think imagine how might our customers enjoy working with this person if we were having to spend a weekend with them or hang out in a maybe even in a bar would they be the sort of person that we would fit in with the team that we'd enjoy spending time with sort of how do we feel they fit with the values and we ask them questions around which of their values do we have do they feel most aligned with that's sort of a trick question as well because for some people they might that might be putting them on the spot and they actually can't remember the advert in which case perhaps it wasn't the values that drew them to the company but for us it's really important to sort of see whether they've connected with any of those values and why and and to see if there's a real connection there from that initial cultural check we then go on and we have a sort of competency-based assessment often with many people at the same time and what we're really looking for is can they actually do the job because some people interview really well especially in our profession within this sort of professional services industry and so it's important to get under the covers and find out can they actually really do the, the role and find ways to assess for that so if, I don't know if you're looking for a chef for example you would probably give them a very simple thing to do and just see how they go about doing it in a sort of perhaps a little bit more stressful situation of, a, of an interview and then following that, if they're successful with all of those, we would then have an interview with them, which is, again, competency based. So we're asking specific questions to really uncover 
more about the person and their fit with what we're looking for. So that's the process we go through. What about then when you then decide on this is the right person? What do you do then to to get them on board? You know that initial introduction to to make sure they get really integrated with the company so they can get up and running as quick as possible. Yeah. So what we do as a business is we give them a clear sort of written usually it's a sort of page sheet which is sort of details of all the things that they need to understand and be connected with so that we make them the owner of of that and organize time for them to spend time with people from different parts of the organization. We actually have a video as well that we've made on the company culture because I found that as the company grows, I, I don't want my sort of view of culture to change almost by Chinese whispers. I felt it's really important for me to share what my view is of what the company culture is. And for me, it's things like it's about the results that you achieve, not the time that you're here. So I'm very flexible. People need to leave early or want to sort of go off for an early, a longer weekend. I'm really flexible about a lot of those things, but I think a lot of companies are less flexible. And so if other people are conveying the sense of the culture, then maybe it will be lost. And I think the culture needs to come from the top of an organization and it, you need to make sure that it is actually being lived in every way that you're measuring and driving behavior in the organization. So that comes quite early on uh, in the first couple of days of somebody starting with the business and making them feel really um, welcomed as a new team member. It can be overwhelming. We actually have hot desking in our business as well. And I, I feel that one of the challenges in a business is that you can become very siloed in your team. And I think that whatever businesses can do to allow particularly a new starter, to be exposed to people from different parts of your business, whether it's your finance, even if they're working front of house or whatever, to just be exposed, then I think that they're going to leverage that network they have in those early days to do a better job for your business. Do you do performance review or do you think like many companies that performance review or yearly performance you recycle is a, is a dead thing or you're doing constant feedback? How are you keeping people, you know, aligned and understanding they actually, they, they, they are delivering to your purpose and, and the journey you're on? How are you giving that feedback to people? Because again, I think that's one of the key things that, that creates culture as well, feedback on if you are in align with both the purpose and the values of the business. Yeah. Do you know, also on the point of feedback, the younger generation apparently are even more desperate for feedback. So you need to give even more. If you think you're giving a lot, give even more. You can never give enough feedback. So what I do as a business, I'm quite conscious that sort of as a small business, we probably change and adapt more than maybe some other businesses, which are probably more like big ships and tankers that are slow to change. And for, for that reason, what we do is we have developed this idea of a what we call internally a KPI house. Imagine a house with the sort of roof where we sort of talk about what the vision is of that particular role the person's doing. And then we have columns underneath that, which reflect maybe three or up to five key objectives for the role. And so what are the key parts of their role? And within those different components of the role will be probably set goals underneath for it to achieve aligned to each of those objectives to support that. And so for me, what we do is to give, try and really crystallize and make really clear to everybody in the organization, what are their key objectives? What is our vision, a collective vision for what they need to do in their role in a very short sentence? Because I think if you dictate too much the absolute detail, there's no freedom for them to be feel empowered to do their role to the best of their ability. They're just turning up. So for example, if the vision for a chef might be 
to create amazing, high-quality food that delights our customers, for example. The objectives under VeekBeth might be do that in a sort of manage the profit side of things so they make sure that their menus are profitable there might be other things which is the teamwork so I think it's really helpful for people to really distill what is it they're doing so that they can really understand what are their priorities and what might be the specific things that they do and to review that I would say very regularly and for new people possibly even more often but at least on a monthly basis because what happens as a business changes is that organizations become disconnected from what people are doing. And maybe the leaders in the business think people are doing things and they're not. That can be sort of not such a good situation for your business because maybe the thing, the value that you're looking to add to your customer isn't actually happening. And, and for me, especially in the hospitality sector, customer loyalty is probably one of the most critical things that we can see. So making sure that everything that people are doing delivers some value to customers. If not, I would really challenge why they're doing it. Yeah, and, and coming back to that, you're absolutely right. It's the key thing, and, and uh, there is there's some great work out there, and I think it's more than yeah, it's probably from the 70s. So there's quite some some decades of work that started on the service profit chain at Harvard University, and that philosophy and the way of approaching hospitality business is key, and it, it starts with the people. And they don't use the word culture, but it is culture and how you create your unique source, how you who how you are strained to others, and that's why the customers will decide to come to you because there is a connection in, in that way because they just you know they are so so customer focused and in delivering in their, their product so you're spot on and that creates the customer loyalty that will do repeat business which is the most critical thing when we get out on the other side i know when we talk hospitality right now there's not many people to serve in in restaurants as we sit here today but there will be an, another side of it where you have to think these things in again you you said your mission was to to create the future work or be the future work i think you said how would you in you know when you're moving through the next couple of do you see that would change the things you're doing to deliver that or do you think you are as a business going to continue working on what you're already working and and just adding more value to that and helping your customers through the through the next couple of months of uh, uncertainty or maybe even more than a couple of months certainly how we're physically remotely now having to do requirement sessions because there's a period of where people are discouraged from having physical contact with each other to reduce the spread of the virus. However, I think for our customers, they're very quickly adapting to remote working. And so that's working well for us. I'm sure that customers through this period are going to need help to help them understand how their business models may need to be adapted. So getting more involved in the innovation side of what they do as well will become quite important. For us, we do, because we work with a lot of small businesses, the entrepreneurs of those businesses are naturally more, you could say, risk takers. So they have an appetite to business goes on. Let's let's just move forward. Um, there could be some good things that come from this. And let's look at the bigger picture rather than the immediate challenges that we face. Let's look at the big picture and, and consider how how do we want to be in the future and move forward. So I think we're we're looking to to leverage technology to enable us to work with our clients remotely. I've been really impressed by how well received and adopted this new way of working has been for our customers, which is really exciting. So if we uh, look at you as the, the leader of the organization and your leadership team, what are you doing to keep uh, fit as leader? Because it, it takes a lot of energy to, to deliver 
the, the promise around the culture you're talking about. And it's not something we talked a bit about it. It's a difficult job and it's not easy to do culture. What are you doing to keep yourself in the right place to be able to give? Because it's a bit like servant leadership. It's a lot about giving and understanding. So how do you get the energy? Because every time I talk with you, I can hear you are very high energy and you're very focused and you know where you're going. And I know that takes a lot of work. So probably people out thinking, it, how, how do I actually get myself in a shape to be able to, to, to have the right mindset and energy? I think you need to make sure that if there are negative things around you, negative voices saying you can't do it or people really pulling you back, you need to do as much as you can to really nip that in the bud. So I think that's probably number one thing, but also having a clear view of where you're going. If you don't have a clear view, then everything feels like treacle. Sometimes if maybe the vision that you have of where you're heading needs to change because of circumstances, then take time out to have a clear picture because once that's in your mind, then it gives you something to focus on and it allows you to mobilize the troops, as it were, to come around you and deliver and execute on that vision that you have. People often ask me, where do I get my energy from? I would say my my team give me a lot of energy because I'm so excited every day to see sort of how they advance themselves, how their sort of commitment and passion to our customers. And for me, that is really what gets me out of bed in the morning is just to sort of to see that. I also have access that I work closely with other CEOs from actually from different industries, but they're leaders who face many common business challenges that I do. And when we share ideas, it's really exciting to get their input and to sort of be a part of a community of other leaders that greatly inspire me with the things that they're doing in their businesses. That definitely gives me a lot of energy as well. And I get a, a subscription to Harvest Business Review, and that's full of lots of exciting ideas on what the latest thinking is around HR, culture and marketing. So all of those things definitely inspire me. But just having a sort of positive vision that propels us forward as a collective, it really makes it much easier. It sounds very interesting that the network of CEOs you're, you're part of, is that something that, you know, especially in these times, you would advise other people to join as quick as possible? Because I could see that it's where you actually have a shared, you know, either shared challenges or you can get very inspired by working with other people that's actually working through something difficult as well. I know some people are involved with networks for that, but a majority of people often stay in their own organization, which I actually always been a believer is not healthy because you don't don't get out of the box thinking then because you you get your usual things what you do is that one of your top advice you would say to in this world we live in right now is connect with other people and share ideas yeah definitely i would say and don't think that they have to be in the same sector because maybe there might be some interesting ideas that come from other sectors that you can apply for me, this is, a, I think it has to be a trusted network. So I'm not talking about normal sort of networking for generating business. It has to be totally for the purpose of working together to share ideas, to collaborate in terms of helping each other. The group that I belong to is, is called Vistage and it's a global group actually, but they have different chairs. But you could even form your own network of people at any point in time that were people with a common goal to work together on a particular theme could be a good thing or it could be serving with other people in the community to sort of work together to resolve or discuss common business challenges as well. 
because again, I think especially now where there's specific industries and sectors, especially the hospitality industry we talked about, there's no doubt about as we come out of at some point, there will be a past the crisis management phase, there will be need for other ideas than the, the old ones. And by actually, you know, maybe even talking with people from tech or from medical industry, you would learn something you would never thought about as an approach in, in your hospitality business. And I think that that's this is a very, very key, a very good advice to give out there. On a more like a personal level, what do you do then yourself as well? How do you, I guess you you take care of yourself in in the moment now? There's probably a lot of people that just want to sit in the in the sofa and uh, and and do nothing more than just you know turn on the telly and forget about the world. But what is your like your top body advice or mental advice? It doesn't mean you need to run a marathon. I often say, but what is your your three things you do every day or one or two things? Well, I have three kids: one, one six, fifteen, and seventeen. They definitely they give me a lot of love and I I get a lot from them I think that just making time for your family is actually really important because when you have people who believe in you and love you then I think that is incredibly fulfilling so I definitely making enough time to be with your loved ones uh, or friends is, is really important. I enjoy going going to the gym. It's great to take time away from your from your desk. I spend a lot of my time, in fact, a lot of people in my sector might, might think I'm just sitting in front of my computer, but I think it's important to take time away and to sort of really reflect on the big picture. And it could be that maybe reading a business magazine uh, of inspiring, it could be inspiring stories or whatever, but I think taking time out away from the day-to-day business and, and not feeling you have to be doing everything, I try my my best to delegate everything that can be delegated so that I'm available to serve my team. And I think that's really important. I've actually got a, a couple of Samoyed dogs as well. So great to get out with them. They sometimes come to the office as well, but I think it's great to enjoy time with them and go out into the out to the countryside if you can and to just get out and enjoy nature. And it's a great way to sort of you could say de-stress and enjoy what the good things in life are often free, the things that we can enjoy, the fresh air. Just go and take advantage of those things. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a very interesting. Yeah. And as again, you know, you don't have to uh, go on a, a big, big health transformation if you like. It's actually the mental health you're talking about here. How do you balance things out so you make sure you have the energy when people come and ask about your help? because when they do you have to be ready you know because you're only going to get that split second of a chance with an employee if they can see you are not ready to help that will be remembered so yeah you're spot on you need to take time out and that's the most difficult for any business owner i know that that's a critical thing and that's actually what we need right now as well when we go past the crisis managers that we we start to heal ourselves and then we, we we will come back with better solutions as you say you will see the bigger picture when you remove yourself from it yeah. One of the things that I actually love doing as well, actually, is cooking. I think that not, it's not for everybody. It's one of my passions. I think for me, it's almost like it allows you to use your creativity that you then can enjoy. It's almost like a mixture of science and creativity that you get to share. Often it's it's hard to think about other things when you're really in the zone of, of creating something. So that for me is a great outlet. I only wish I had more time. I'd probably be a full-time job if it paid well. That for me with my team, we actually, we have, we're very lucky in our office. We've got a kitchen. And so we spend time together cooking food together. And I encourage the team to do as much cooking as possible. So we, we love to do that as an outlet for just downtime. 
this is very interesting if you think about it from a culture point of view, because that's a different way of coming together and have conversations. And the informal conversation form culture more than anything else, it's my view. I, I guess you get like a lot of insights and understanding of your team just doing that, these kind of things with them. Because cooking food together is where we all get equal. We can all come together around a plate of food, no matter where in the world we're from and what we believe and think. That's the, the shared thing we do. We all do it three times a day in most parts of the world. So actually, that's a, a great way of bringing people together and actually create culture. Uh, absolutely. And, and also when you have people from different backgrounds, the recipes and ideas, uh, so somebody in my team, for example, from India, and so he's always creating these amazing food and using ingredients in a different way than we've seen before. And so it's great to sort of share tips and ideas and, and to see hidden talents, I would say, for many people to be either teachers to show other people how to do things or people sort of sharing recipes or coming together to, to cook together on a regular basis. It's great to be a part of that. And often in our business, we pick particular themes. It might be, I don't know, Italian or Chinese or Thai food and and we come together and try and create uh, as a team so we don't all end up with the same thing different recipes and and celebrate eating that together and it's 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 a wonderful part of our some of our company stories when we talk about how the time that we did that and I remember fondly many people in the team who you can tell maybe it might have been a struggle for them but they they did it they maybe even worked with their family to come up with something that they really felt was going to be cherished and enjoyed by the team or maybe we had a laugh about it because I also have a philosophy which is sometimes it's your mistakes that create the funniest moments so why not celebrate those too yeah and I think in, in general in the time we're coming into now coming to, to the mistake thing we just need to be more relaxed and okay about failing we have had and I still feel that sometimes when I work and coach leaders they're afraid of failing and I said like you're not failing you're, you're actually trying that's that that's the thing but you need to make mistakes to actually get there and the quicker you do them the better and, and if you only just laugh at them and then say well the, done is done you know i didn't do it intention was not to make a mistake and i think cooking can learn you a lot about that i love to cook myself that's one of the things i do myself to disconnect and that's something i can do with my five-year-old son as well and it's a great family activity especially in these times to come together as a family around the meal again where you know normally we don't have much time for that because we live in a trance as well so starting these good old habits of being around the table like I was in my mom and dad's home when I was a kid they were restaurateurs but there's one thing we didn't play with was the dinner meal we all sat together no matter what happened because that was the interaction of the day that was very important so yeah the, the, there's definitely a lot of learning that can be taken from cooking and bringing people together in these times as when you can come together again of course that's the thing but maybe cooking by video uh, as you said before like having a lunch together maybe people can start cook over video together as well I don't know in the end of the podcast Caroline we all we, we, we always talk about the, like one advice you can give as a business leader to other leaders out there what is your one, one advice right Right now to leaders out there that you think they should reflect and maybe adapt if they're not already doing it put the values really sort of make sure that the values that you have as a business are serving you and live by the, the leaders in your business and that people really understand those values and use them as a way of bringing you together because if, if you're not all united in how you're working it's going to be hard Revisit your values. Are they the right ones for your business? Really use those values every day in everything that you do. 
That was great advice because I think it's most important tool you have right now. And in, in principle, it doesn't cost anything. It should already be there in a way. So thank you very much for coming on the Hospitality Maverick podcast. I sent you power, love and energy for, for the coming time and navigating through it together with your clients and, and also the team. Most importantly, I'm sure we're going to pick up conversation uh, further down the line. I would love that. Thank you so much for today, Michael. Thank you, Carleen, for your thinking on thriving and surviving the storm and how to build a culture that's not only great to work in, but also achieve outstanding results. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate, or subscribe to one of our channels. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your support on the podcast. Also, thank you to Experience 101, supporting us getting this out to more movers, shakers, and mavericks. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us, subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.